Hello, welcome to the Goal is Love podcast. Open your Bibles with us to Acts chapter 13 as Brother Pastor Pearson leads us in today's lesson. We'll open to, to uh, chapter 13, Acts chapter 13. We'll make a couple of points. We'll come back and we'll look at it in its fullness, Lord willing, next Sunday. So if you, uh, well, let's pray. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for your great love. Thank you for this truth that you've commended your love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Yeah. We were not your friends. We, in fact, had no interest in being your friends. And you made a way. And you made this way before there was anybody to save. You purposed to rescue Adam, knowing that he would fall. And yet you have created him, and you have made a way of salvation for everyone who will simply repent and believe. Everyone. Nothing else matters except for repenting, and trusting Jesus. Amen. There's nothing too great for you to forgive. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. The superabounding grace of Christ through the shedding of his blood. Thank you, Father. Now, as we take a couple of minutes and just look at perhaps this morning, just the, the terminal points of Acts chapter 13. Help us, Lord, to get what you'd have for us today, and then bless us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So if you'll open your uh, Bibles to chapter 13, verse 1. Actually, if you want to look at chapter 12, verse 24. The enemy of the cross, in this case Herod, in chapter 12, has been smitten by an angel, killed, eaten with worms. That's verse 23. Not a very wonderful ending to somebody's life. But this is a life of pride. One of the things that you begin to realize is you don't have to be a, a king to be proud. In fact, we're all proud. What's remarkable is how little reason we have to be Proud, and yet we find ourselves for that to be the case. The natural man thinks very highly of himself, and, and uh, Herod would not repent of his pride, and he was struck dead for being basically called to God and receiving that worship. But it goes on in verse 24 and says, But the word of God grew and multiplied. By contrast, the very king that tried to eliminate the preaching and teaching of the word of God by killing James, the brother of John, if you just go back to the beginning of chapter 12, and then by arresting Peter with the intent to kill Peter, that same powerful government is simply brought to an end. But the word of God grew and multiplied. But the word of God grew and multiplied. I think we get concerned about what might happen if this is done or if this is done. Let me, please hear me. Do the right thing. Just do the right thing. The Word of God will grow 
and multiply. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. There's none righteous, no, not one. Just do the right thing. The word of God will grow and multiply. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem. If you remember, Barnabas and Saul had gone to Jerusalem with a giant love gift from all the Christians in another part of the world who probably met none of them ever. And now they're going back and they take John Mark with them. Again, I pointed out at the end of our service last time that, that John Mark is a, uh, the son of the woman whose house, the Bible, uh, excuse me, the, the prayer ceremony, the prayer meeting, where Peter is freed by those praying. It's at her house. So you know John Mark is living in a house where Jesus is loved and where prayer is real. And here he is going off with, uh, with his uncle. Barnabas is his uncle. With his uncle and with Saul of Tarsus, who's about to be starting to be called Paul, to minister the gospel. It says now in verse 13, they go back to Antioch where they came from. It says, now there were in the church that it was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers. So there are servants of God simply doing what God has called them to. It gives you their names, Barnabas, Simeon, which is called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, which had been brought up as Herod the Tetrarch. How remarkable is that? This man who was brought up with a monster has left the world behind to preach and teach the gospel. And also, lastly, by the way, Saul. Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. Now, we'll, we'll spend more time on this next week, but I just want you to see, as you say yes to the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life, you'll serve. You will not be filled with self anymore, and you will find yourself serving others. And as you serve, the Holy Ghost will be able to move you around, maybe in the specific ministry where you are, maybe actually a shift in location. But it is spirit-filled people that are here knowing the will of God. I want you to notice, just briefly, I want you to notice this. It says, and as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So what you see here is this. The, those that are being sent out and those that are doing the sending know together because, of their, because they are spiritual people the will of God and they're exercising the will of God together. They lay their hands onto them, not so that they can receive the power of the Holy Ghost. It's kind of a nonsense thing that people like to say. What they were doing is they're identifying with them. We, we, the church here at Antioch, we recognize that God has called you to leave us, but we're going with you. We are still with you. You are us. We are you. We're all together in this. Amen? We have sent out, we've been blessed to send out a number of people from Tidewater. And when we send them out, we lay hands on them. Now, sometimes people just run off and do what they want. It's not the same thing at all, and God is not in that. But when God is in it, God is in it, and that's what he's doing right here. So you see at the very beginning of this passage, it says in verse 4, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. So who's the author of missions? Who's the Because this is, this is the beginning of missions. Who is the author of missions? And the, and the answer is God is. 
God the Holy Spirit is clearly responsible for watching a church doing what they're supposed to be doing and saying, to you, I'm going to give this privilege of sending some people. You will partner with them, and they'll go into all the world, and they'll preach the gospel. We see happening right here. Now, I want to jump ahead just for the sake of time, and I want you to go with me if you would. John read a passage. He read an extended passage. He started in verse 26. Paul, by the way, Paul is in verse 16. You see Paul's name. Uh, there, is a, there is a passage where his name is changed from uh, Saul to Paul. It's gonna, that's verse 9. Then Saul, who is also called Paul. That happens earlier in the chapter. We'll, again, we'll focus on that more, more next week. But Paul stands up and he beckons in verse 16 and says to men of Israel. So he's, but he's in a synagogue and he's preaching to Israelites. And so he's preaching to Israelites, and he says to them, you already saw this in verse 26, men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God. I appreciate that even when he's preaching to the Jews, he recognized that in this synagogue there could be those that are not Jewish that fear God, and he says to them, anybody that fears God, this is for you. Isn't that wonderful? Anybody that fears God, the word of God is for you. And so he's going to, he gives this entire message. And then at the end of it, verse 38, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Jesus of Nazareth, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things, from which they could not be justified by the law of Moses. Amen? Isn't that simple? I posted this this morning. I sent it out as my, in my text circle. Just this phrase. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things. Yeah. Now, now look, look up here. Do you trust Jesus? Really? Now, listen, listen. A lot of people, a lot of people say lots of things. Do you trust Jesus? Do you know you trust Jesus? Do you know? Do you know you trust Jesus? Do you know in your own heart that you have trusted Christ for your salvation? Do you know the forgiveness of sins? And you know you know the forgiveness of sins. It's just that simple. Boy, I tell you what, the, the last thing we sang, although, no, Odemelia uh, um, sang. A little while, it's just going to come. Yeah? Boy, I don't know if I've ever looked forward to that day any more than I do today. In a little while, he's going to come and get us. You know, and I don't know. Uh, I think of Brother Ronnie Jacobs a lot. I think, you know, he came to get him personally. And he may come and get many more of us personally. But eventually, he's going to come get all of us corporately. <laughs> oh, what a day that'll be. Yeah? What a day that'll be when my Jesus I shall see. John was talking about a Sunday school. These things that are for a moment, these trials that are for a moment, not worthy to be compared. Sometimes they feel worthy to be compared, don't they? Don't they? Sometimes a trial feels overwhelming. I 
ask you to go listen to Sunday school. Because it's not overwhelming. It can't be overwhelming. Because the one that allowed it into your life will not allow you to be overwhelmed. So if you're overwhelmed, that's because you're not trusting Jesus. But all you have to do right now is stop and say, help, Lord. And just like Peter, he'll reach down and pull you up out of that water that you're allowing yourself to sink in. Only, by the way, are we sinking in this water because we've taken our eyes off of Christ and put them on the wind and the waves. Amen? Because here it makes it very clear. For by him, all that believe are justified from all things. So God can look at us in righteousness and behold the payment that Christ has made upon our account. And see us completely forgiven. Dressed, by the way, in a wedding garment. Dressed in the white robes of a wedding garment. Now, one, in one passage when Christ is preaching, how is it? How is it, he says. By the way, he says it very politely. How is it that you're here at this wedding and you're not wearing the wedding clothes? And then he says, come remove this person. You can't go to the wedding in your own clothes. Please don't be dressed in your own righteousness anymore. You cannot, you cannot enter into the glory of glory. You cannot enter, enter into the actual heaven in your righteousness. You can't. It will not matter what you've done. It will not matter. The things that you did in the name of Jesus will mean nothing without the blood. Just the blood. Faith in his name. Now let's just run ahead here a little bit and we'll be done. So this, remember, if you remember, he's speaking primarily to the Jews. At the end of his message, the Gentiles, verse 42, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached unto them. They're begging for someone to tell them about Jesus. By the way, the primary response of the Jews is going to be to reject the gospel in this passage. And the Jews are, and the Gentiles are simply saying, could we hear? Could we hear? We'd like to hear. Would you tell us? So let's look at verse 44. It says, in the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Amen? And it says, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. God help us. They contradicted and they blasphemed. In other words, they wanted to eliminate the ability for the Gentiles to receive what they considered to be exclusively theirs, which makes no sense at all. And really, it makes no sense at all because this would limit the power of God. This would limit how much the blood of Christ can save. But it can save everybody, right? All that believe. Now, just go down a little bit and we'll be done. So you see, it says, Paul and Barnabas in verse 46 are going to basically say to the Hebrews, well, let's, let me just read it. Then Paul and Barnabas, by the way, the order has reversed now. It was Barnabas and Saul, but now it's Paul and Barnabas. And I'm going to talk about this more next week. What a, what a godly man Barnabas is. He went from being Barnabas and Saul when they left to Paul and Barnabas. And Barnabas is going to take basically a secondary role most of the time going forward. And guess what? 
He's okay with it. He's okay with it. John Mark might not be. I'm not sure that might be why John Mark goes home. Hey, uncle, aren't you the one in charge? No, the Lord has switched, switched things around. Paul is the one he's going to be using right now. Isn't that wonderful? Look, look, look. Let God use you however he wants to use you. Just however he wants to use you. It says that Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and they said it was necessary that the word of God should have been spoken first to you, talking to the Jews. But seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles and we say, praise God. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light to the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for the salvation unto the ends of the earth. Amen? So how wonderful. Now, the, the Israel was always intended to be a place that was a light to the Gentiles, and they had not been that. And now the church is meant to be a light to, we are, are largely the Gentiles. In this room, almost everybody is a Gentile. And yet, how restrictive the church can sometimes be about just talking to people. Listen, listen. I understand that the vast majority of the people in your life, you don't think they really want to hear about Jesus. So here's what I would say. Why don't you find out? Just tell them. Because, listen, it is getting ready to rain, and they need to get in the ark. It is getting ready to rain, and they need to get in the ark. The problem is the pharisaical, holier-than-thou attitude in churches is very much like the way the Pharisees were living their lives, right? Just like the way the Hebrews wanted things to be exclusive to them, I sometimes think that people, I, I don't know, I'm not sure if some people that are in church, oh, I am quite confident this is true, some people that go to church just aren't Christians, right? They're just not new creatures. And some of us that are new creatures forgot what we were before Jesus saved us. We're not worthy. He's worthy. We're not worthy. They need to know he's worthy. We need to stop thinking about, what about me? Who, what about you? What about me? What about any of us? What about them? What about Jesus? Listen to what happened when they said this in verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life, what? Believed. They will believe. They will believe. There will be people that won't believe, but there will be people that do believe. And then it says this, and the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. So again, again, as we come near the end of this chapter, once again, the word of God is increasing and souls are being saved when people filled with the Spirit of God, simply say, yes, Lord, in their life. Thank you for taking time to listen. If you have any questions, you can reach us at thegoalslove.org. If you would like to hear more of God's Word, we would love for you to subscribe. We hope you have a wonderful day. God bless.